This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. American Ballpark. It's the Better Off Red Podcast. Here's your host, Jamie Ramsey. Happy New Year, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another installment of the Better Off Red Podcast. This week's show is part two of our Reds Fest 2016 special. In this episode, you'll hear from guests we interviewed on the Saturday night of Reds Fest, including blue chip prospects Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, and Shed Long. Reds right-handed pitcher Homer Bailey joins us, and Reds Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman will close us out and help us put a bow on another successful Reds Fest. But first, I want to remind you folks to join us on Tuesday nights at the Holy Grail for the Reds Hot Stove League radio show and Better Off Red Baseball trivia. Each week, the Hot Stove League show is broadcast live from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Holy Grail in downtown Cincinnati, right across the street from Great American Ballpark. Host Marty and Tom Brenneman and Jim Kelch offer up an hour of Reds news and chatter, and from time to time, they'll invite in special guests as well. Immediately following the Hot Stove program, Better Off Red Baseball Trivia takes the stage to test your baseball knowledge with a nine-inning game hosted by yours truly. So join us every Tuesday at the Holy Grail for the Reds Hot Stove League show, and Better Off Red Baseball Trivia. It's free and open to the public. Let's get started with our first guest from Saturday night of Reds Fest 2016. Here's a trio of the Reds' most prized prospects, Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, and Shed Long. Go ahead. Yeah, let's chat. Let's have a little talk. What's up? How you doing, Wink? I'm good. Just, uh, you know, enjoying Reds Fest. Like like I've been saying the whole time, it's one of my favorite parts of the offseason, and Having a good time out here with all you guys, so loving it. Awesome. Nick, what do you think? This is something new to you. Is this a little mind-blowing or what? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I didn't expect so many people even yesterday. Today's even more. Um, You know, it's pretty neat just to see all the loyal fans that, you know, come out uh, to this event and just support what we do, so it's pretty awesome to see. Very good. Now, when you come to an event like this, does this – present an opportunity for you Nick to uh, get to know some of the guys that you didn't play with this year like for example Jesse and like even some of the major league guys yeah no it's uh, this events uh, I've had the opportunity to meet you know a lot of new a lot of the new guys that I uh, haven't met uh, you know I got a chance to meet some of them during the season but not not all of them and uh, you know and just uh, all these guys be able to meet them it's uh, it's been pretty neat so uh, you know, just being at this event's been a good experience so far. Very cool. Now, Jesse, does that go to the – look at this. Billy Hatcher is in the house. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hatcher, Reds third base coach. <laughs> Jess, does that is – that, same goes for you. I know, like, you, you're you, 
especially now that you've been around a little while and now you're on the 40-man roster. Congratulations, by the way. Appreciate that. Thank you. And does this present an opportunity for you as well, like to, like to get to know some of the younger guys like Nick and then see some of the big league guys that you'll probably be seeing soon? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it was really cool. I got to meet Nick yesterday over at the Wiffle Ball Field. It was really cool. You know, um, obviously we've heard a lot of great things about him uh, up in Louisville this year. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's just cool to come around and, you know, get around all the guys that I've known and play with and then, uh, you know, obviously meet, meet some of the new guys that just came into the Reds. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a fun time just to kind of get away from your routine for a weekend and just come out here and see all the fans and see all your future and present teammates. So Been signing a lot of autographs? Sign a lot of autographs. Get your hands ready out here. <laughs> is this something that is, how many Reds Fest is this for you now? This is my fourth. Fourth Reds Fest. My goodness. Fourth gray jersey. What, you're like still like 17 years old. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone keeps telling me. But yeah. no, I keep, I keep aging. So hopefully, hopefully soon I can get a white jersey and switch it up a little yes, bit. Yes, absolutely. I think it'll happen next. I think next year you'll be wearing one of those white jerseys. Sounds good Let to me. Let me ask you this. So uh, since you're, this is your fourth Reds Fest, have you been able to gauge like how people have maybe started recognize you each year to this point? Yes, uh, my first two years it was kind of, you know, I was just kind of here. Yeah. And um, but the, these past two, especially this year, it's been it's been really fun and just to hear all the support and all the you know the positive things everyone's been saying to me, it's just been really really nice and I really appreciate everything you guys do for me. So, how about you, Nick? Has, has since you've been here and you know you you. Of course, you were the, the number two overall pick in the draft, and so you're going to be a little more recognizable than a lot of number one or dra- uh, first-round draft picks. Has it since you've been here uh, th- these two days, have you been able to tell that people and kind of surprised that maybe a lot of people know who you are already? Um, yeah, a little bit. Um, I guess that just comes with it, uh, you know, being selected that high in the draft. Um, you know, but it's fun. You know, being here, just welcoming all the fans and, and meeting the new people and, you know, meeting all the kids and, you know, signing for them and trying to make, make their day. It's, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade anything for the world. Um, you know, it comes with it. And, you know, um, it's just been exciting so far to sure. meet all the new fans. And, you know, I just can't, can't believe to see how loyal they are. Um, you know, it's fun to see. Yeah, and they're going to, I mean, no matter if you're the – the 25th man on the team or the or Joey Votto or Brandon Phillips they're going to stand up for you cheer for you you're going to be one of them so you can do anything like you can do anything in this town if you're Cincinnati Red and um, I know you're excited about getting your pro career I I know it was a little kind of uh, divided last year you still were finishing up at Tennessee you got drafted then you went to Billings then you came to Dayton so I think next year you're probably looking forward to a little more stability um, maybe start now. I don't know where you'll start out, but when you get there, maybe you'll you'll be there all year, or you'll play half a year here and start progressing up the ladder. I think uh, Baseball America has you as a, a, a guy pretty close to the major league. So is that exciting for you? And are you looking forward to a little more stability next year? Yeah, I mean, la- last year when I came in, uh, you know, it was it was kind of a, a tough transition. But you know, once I kind of got things going, I. I wanted to move up the ladder so quick, but I, I knew that, uh, you know, I didn't, there wasn't a lot of time. I only played in almost 70 games, um, you know, but I'm looking forward to this year and, uh, you know, playing a full season and, and kind of getting ready this off season to prepare my body to play a full season and, uh, you know, kind of just stick, stick to the plan the Reds have for me and, uh, 
you know, whatever they put me, I'll play. And uh, forever, how long they want to put me there is, is fine with me. But, you know, just trying to help the organization um, in any way I can and whatever they ask me to do, I'll do. Very good. Now, Jess, if, all th if things go well, you're going to be with this guy for a long time in Cincinnati. Is that something that, in addition to, uh, in addition to uh, Amir Garrett, guys like that, Robert Stevenson, Cody Reed, is that maybe uh, Aristides Aquino? Is that something that you think about, and is it something, if you do, that you kind of get excited and you're, you're really looking forward to it? Yeah, you know, um, you, I guess you could kind of call it like a youth movement, right? So, um, yeah, I look forward to getting the opportunity to play alongside Nick. You know, uh, I played with Sal and Amir Garrett and Reed and Stevenson these past couple years, and, it's you know, it's been a blast. And, you know, we all have, you know, pretty similar goals, and we all, all want to win, and I think that's what everybody here wants is just, you know, just a, a good solid team to just just win you know that's everyone's goal so that's what we're looking forward to doing and um you know we're, we're all working hard to achieve that now jess if you had any advice to give to nick as far as a, a young player starting to just get has his first professional season under his belt uh would there be anything in particular that you would uh you know advise like a few things if you have any <sighs> i mean just i Something I did was just I just tried to stay in the moment. You know, whether I was in Billings, Dayton, Bakersfield, I just took it day by day and stayed in the moment. I tried not to get too far ahead of myself because I feel like that's the easiest thing to do is start reading your, your press clippings or, yeah. you know, reading how good you are. When in reality, it's just day to day, do your job and, and, and move on. You know, if you get called up, if you start wherever, just do your job and keep it moving. You know, don't get, don't get stuck in one place. Work hard. Have fun with it. Was there anyone in particular, maybe a couple guys that maybe like when you started, you know, making those press clippings and getting in the headlines a little bit that uh, from Cincinnati or maybe in a, a higher a higher classification that maybe took took you under their wing and that you learned about maybe even spring training? I remember when I was in Dayton, Jay Bruce reached out to me before the All-Star game in the Home Run Derby. And he was just kind of he just kind of reached out to me. I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, that started uh, I guess that kind of started our friendship there. And, um, you know, I asked him a lot of questions. I've learned from a lot of guys, Votto, Billy Hamilton. You know, I've, uh, I just feel like my job is to ask those guys questions. You know, Eric Davis, Darren Bragg, Pat Kelly. You know, my job is to learn and get better. And, um, and, that's what, and that's just all I try to do every day. You know, everything else will take care of itself. You know, preparation, everything. I know I'm prepared to play. My job is to learn. So. Now, Nick, was there anyone in particular in the organization that's reached out to you yet? Or is that something that you'll probably anticipate happening in, in Goodyear? Um, I would just say, uh, you know, when I got to instructional league, I got to meet uh, more coaches and, and more players. Um, you know, uh, whether it be Barry Larkin, Eric Davis, um, uh, guys like that, uh, just uh, giving me some tips or advice, uh, you know, while I go through uh, this journey. But I would say when I got to be at the spring training complex, I met, I just met some more coaches and, and managers and and player development people to where, where they just gave me some tips, uh, you know, when I uh, go along this journey. Nick, how familiar were you with the the Reds team or the organization, maybe even as a youngster coming up and then up to the point where you got drafted? Were you familiar with the team? Did you have any favorite players or did you watch the games? Um, I mean, I was familiar with the team for sure. Um, I know the history of the team with the grade eight. Uh, you know, and all the, all the players, uh, whether Johnny Bench, Larkin, all those guys, um, Pete Rose, 
Uh, they, they have a great history and a great culture in their organization. Um, back then when they were winning a lot and winning a uh, World Series. Um, and even now, they have great players. Um, I know it's been a little bit of a struggle, but, um, you know, uh, people just have to trust the process. Um, we're, we're trying to rebuild and trying to get this team to back to winning ways. And like Wink said, I just think that's, that's uh, our goal as uh, guys in the minor leagues. I mean, we're hungry to get up there, and we're hungry to uh, – to make this team a, a better team and, and to help this team win uh, whenever that time comes. Wink, you mentioned his name earlier. Now this question is for both of you. What's it like for you guys? Uh, and Jess, you've had the opportunity to play with them uh, in, in the Cactus League schedule. Nick, you will at some point. Are you excited to be like kind of just watching and be able to be have a front row seat to watch Joey Votto on a, on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I mean, as a left-handed hitter especially, I uh, – it's just a great guy for me to just learn from. And, you know, I, I, I think he, you know, if he's not the best hitter in the game, I, he's obviously one of them. He's obviously always in that conversation. So, you know, it's just cool to see how he goes about his work, goes about how he conducts himself, how he handles, you know, his approach offensively and defensively. It's just really cool, you know, for me being a young guy, just to see someone who, who is an MVP, all those all-stars, just see how he goes about his day. And, uh, you know, because that's our goal as players, you know, not just to win, but, you know, personally, I, I've set aside a lot of personal individual goals and that I want to achieve. So you get, you know, your front row seat to see how someone who's already done these things, how they conduct themselves. So, you know, it's awesome. And, you know, he's a hell of a player, too. So, oh, my God. Absolutely. How about you, Nick? Yeah, no, actually, I just met him uh, for the first time on my way up here. Uh, super nice guy. Um, really inviting to this event. Um, yeah. And. Uh, to follow through a wink set I mean he's a great player um, you know I think he you know in the MLB world he kind of gets underrated for what he does and just how valuable he is uh, you know to to the team uh, you know his his plate coverage his control his two strike approach uh, you know his hard contact I mean I feel like the guy said over 300 for the last 10 years um, just really exceptional on both sides of the ball uh, defense and offense and you know like you said to be able to uh, have a front row seat and watch them is uh it's pretty special and and just to be able to watch them is, is awesome sure hey jesse one of the, we had rookie davis up here yesterday and one of the things that really struck me that one of the most profound things that i heard all day yesterday came from rookie and i asked him what it was like when he came over to the reds organization after the big Araldis chapman trade and he said i was like you know what what was your plan of attack when you first came over his first thing he said was, I wanted to get acclimated with my teammates. And I thought that was pretty cool because his first focus wasn't like, you know, anything on the field. He just wanted to, you know, start a good relationship with his teammates. And I just want to get your take on that. And how important is that for new guys, even like guys like Nick who get drafted that are trying to, you know, maybe get um, get to know guys. I know that's kind of a tough thing. It's, it's tough for all of us first day of school even, first day on the job. You just want to get – to know these guys and tell me how important that is for you and what you thought of rookie's comment you know that that doesn't surprise me about rookie you know rookie's a he's a awesome awesome teammate really really cool dude and uh you know I, I can't imagine how hard it is to get traded and come to a new team with a bunch of new guys that you have no really no idea who they are but you know rookie did an awesome job of achieving that and um you know I, I would think that that's a for a winning winning ball club I feel like 
you know, all the guys, usually they, obviously they get along and they all just have the common goal in mind. So, you know, I think, you know, acclimating yourself, getting comfortable with everyone as soon as you can, you know, that's just, I feel like that's just going to happen over time. You know, you're going to kind of figure that out. And, uh, you know, but here with the Reds, I've always been really comfortable around everyone, you know. I've known these guys, you know, pretty much you're around them more than your family. And I've known them, you know, for the past five, six years. And, you know, just to be able to know that guys aren't just going to, you know, be on your team. They're going to actually go to bat for you. They're going to get behind you. They're going to, you know, stand up for you. And so it's just really cool. Nick, you're coming from a really good draft class for the Reds. It was vo uh, voted by Baseball America as the, the best draft class in 2016. You're a huge part of that, but can you talk a little bit about your teammates, Chris Oakey and uh, Taylor Trammell? Yeah, no, I thought uh, the Reds did a good job this year. Um, you know, right off the bat, um, I got to, you know, meet Chris. I know that he played in college at, you know, a big-time school with Clemson, and, uh, you know, he was a great player there. Um, and we, we had heard it of each other kind of mutually, um, you know, but he was kind of the first guy I had met. And uh, we bonded pretty quickly. Uh, we lived together in Billings and Dayton, and we were roommates. Um, so we became close friends pretty quickly. Um, you know, he's a great player, great catcher, really controls the game, um, really tough. And, uh, yeah, Taylor Trammell met him in uh, Billings. Uh, what an athlete. He's uh, going to be a great player, young, but he's very good, very talented. Uh, you know, so I hit. I think they hit the nail on the head with those two guys right there. One of the things that I heard about you, Nick, from uh, many of the people that are in and around the Reds organization is, you know, you're a great, number one, they talked about your hitting, of course, but two, something that I think kind of goes unnoticed is your defense. How important is defense to you at third base, and how, what's your, uh, what's your uh, focus, I mean, you have a great focus. What do you, what do, you do to prepare defensively? Uh, yeah, no, defense is very important to me. Um, Shed Long joins us. What's happening? Um, no, defense is very important to me. Um, it was, uh, it's very important to me just because of the uh, transition uh, uh, to third base because it was um, still new to me in college my junior year because um, I hadn't played it. Uh, they, I transfer, uh, transferred over there. Uh, it was kind of random in the Cape Cod League summer. My head coach just asked me if I played third base, and I said no, and he put me there. So um, it was just a little bit of transition, very important to me to get better each and every day. Uh, I think the more games I play in, uh, the better I continue to get at the position. And, uh, you know, I've been trying to work hard, especially this offseason. I'll uh, continue to try to get better defensively. Um, so uh, just to uh, help uh, get another um, aspect of my game uh, kind of better. Yeah, and another thing uh, regarding you, Nick, real fast is um, it's clear that you are you're what they call a baseball guy. You are uh, you eat you kind of eat and breathe baseball. Is it something that was kind of instilled into you by coaches and your parents, maybe, or is it just something that you just kind of uh, inherently got? Um, I think both. Um, I think at a young age, I, I, you know, had a vision and a dream of what I wanted to do, and that was to play baseball for a long time uh, at the highest level. And uh, I think uh, also just going to the University of Tennessee kind of, you know, got me real serious uh, with this sport. Um, you know, I thank the coaches and 
you know, my family and the teammates around me uh, to kind of keep pushing me to get better each and every day. And, you know, just loving the game since day one, uh, you know, it's kind of just uh, helped me just, you know, love the game even more. Like you said, eat, sleep, baseball. Um, you know, that's what my life's about right now. So uh, I wouldn't change it. Ladies and gentlemen, can you welcome Shed Long to the stage? Shed Long is here. Shed, say hello to everybody, will you? What's going on? How y'all doing? Shed, you were just named yesterday the Reds minor league hitter of the year. That's got to be quite an accomplishment for you, right? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, more power. That's, a, that's a big time honor, you know. And, I mean, I take pride in my hitting. So that's everything I want right there, you know. You had an incredible year this year, and I know uh, – uh, in the past, you kind of bounced around from position to position, which kind of makes it interesting that, you know, you, uh, you've established yourself and you had a great year at the plate while still being a very productive defensive player. Can you talk a little bit about that and how you established yourself in the infield? I have more power than Shed Long. You <laughs> <laughs> more power. Um, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to Barry Larkin. He was, he was real big in helping me with my defense, you know, um, in spring training, every day we were doing early work together, just focusing strictly on defense because, I mean, I knew the hitting would be there. So we were constantly just trying to fine-tune things and just pay attention to small details, you know. So him helping me out a lot and just myself, me, myself, being hard on myself, you know, just to get better every day, just trying to do something to get better every day. And it really just helped me take strides, you know. Very good. Now, you're part of this Reds' future with these three guys right here. How exciting is that for you personally to be, and as well as the, uh, the, the amount of pitching that the team has coming up? Is this an exciting time for you personally to be playing with guys like this? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, me, me and Nick, we talked about it all the time this year, you know, just that 2-3 that punch in Dayton. We were right there, that 2-3 punch. When he came to Dayton, it was just – it was like – both of us, we took it to another level because, you know, it was, it was no pressure on me being in the two-hole. I knew I didn't have to do too much because I knew Nick would be right behind me. And really just that pressure being off of me, it just it helped me excel more. And when I was excelling, Nick was right there with me excelling too, you know. Jess, you guys seem like you're – and I've talked to some of the guys yesterday about this. You guys seem like you're a really close-knit group uh, of guys coming up through the system. No matter what level – I think all of you guys are really tight. You all cheer for each other. You all are invested in each other. How important is it for you uh, to see guys get promoted in clumps, like together rather than individually? Like, for example, and I mentioned this yesterday, the Cardinals throughout the years have come up together to play at each level uh, rather than, you know, bringing a guy here, he gets, you know, a top prospect that might go up while some of the other guys aren't there. You guys are all advancing together. How special is that for you? That's really cool. I think um, that makes it, like you said, that makes it really special. You get your you get your core guys, and, you know, they, they move up together. And I think that's how it should be done. You know, you should get comfortable with the guys that you kind of came in with. But then at the same time, you know, once you start moving up and catching other guys, you, you need to get comfortable around them as well. And, um, you know, it, it never stops. You know, there's always guys coming in. So it's really cool. And, um, you know, it's just awesome to get around – you know, guys that had good years at, at all levels and, uh, you know, just just talk about their year and how they played and everything like that. So it's fun. 
That's cool. So before I let you guys go, I'm going to ask you each a question, and it's going to be what you guys need to work on and what you can improve upon for the 2017 season, each one of you personally. Whoever wants to start. Nick, you want to go ahead on that one? Um, I mean, you are pretty good, Nick. No. <laughs> I, got, I got it. I got it. Um, for me, I, I always – I feel like all, you know, you don't want to be perfect when you're 23. You know, you don't want to peak. You don't want to flatline, you know, right now. But um, I think for me, all aspects of the game is just what I try to work on. Uh, offense, defense, you know, everything can always get raised to the next level. And um, especially base running, too. I've been taking a lot of pride in that, learning more about things like that. So I just feel like, you know, for everybody, all aspects could always be improved, you know, because no matter what, you never want to plateau right now. And uh, you just want to kind of continue to get better. I know specifically for you, I know a lot of some of your critics will say that, well, you know, Jesse's a great hitter, but we could, we'd could we love to see some more power out of him. Is that is that part of your game, or is it? are you just going to approach things the way you normally do? Jesse has power, so that's not a problem. <laughs> Shed, Shed Long says Jesse has power. That's why Shed Long's my guy. But, um, you know, I don't know. You know, I've always thought about winning the batting title before the home run crown. You know, I think uh, – as I get older, as I get bigger, as I get stronger and just more mature as a hitter, power is going to be there. You know, you're going to know when to go for it in situations. You know, this year, I'm not making an excuse. I hate to make excuses. You know, I had a banged up wrist and dealt with that. But, you know, we I still think I put together a solid year, Absolutely. solid campaign. So, uh, you know, the power is going to be there. I don't really think about it. It's actually my last thought hitting, to be honest yeah, with sure. you. So um, I know it'll be there. And the home runs come in bunches. So maybe I'm just saving them. Absolutely. Nick? Um, I agree with Jesse. But I would have to say just continue getting better on my defense. Uh, you know, just because it's such a new position to me. And uh, I'm, I'm in a different level in the minor leagues. And, uh, you know, uh, just continue to get better each and every day. And just everyone out there, home runs don't mean everything, uh, like Jesse said. They kind of knocked me on that coming into the draft. Um, you know, they will come, and if they don't, who cares? Very good. How about you, Shed? Um, I'm kind of like Jesse said, you know, just every aspect of the game, I really want to just, like I said earlier, just pay attention to the small details, you know, getting better in every, in every way that I can. Because, you know, I had a good year last year, so this year has to be better. I mean, there's no – no excuses. It's got to be better. You know? Very good. Hey, you go. got to keep an eye out for my guy Shed Long. He, uh, <laughs> he's going to have another good campaign. That, that's so. the Jesse Winker scouting report. Yeah, he's uh, Nick. Would you agree with that? Shed Long is play. The, uh, a guy um, to watch. He's short, but he does have some juice in his bat. I so, noticed. So he will hit more than 15 home runs. I noticed this over in the Wiffle Ball Home Run Derby. Shed Long won the Home Run Derby one-handed. He was swinging left-handed. And he won the home run derby. That's amazing. That is quite amazing. Guys, hey, I appreciate you guys coming over here. Thank you for having us. Jesse Winker, Shed Long, Nick Senzel. Thank you. Give it up for these guys. You're going to see them in Cincinnati before long, sooner than later. Our next guest is making his way back to full health after Tommy John surgery. He's anxious to get back on the mound to not only help this Reds team, but also to provide a positive example to the young Reds pitchers that are trying to establish themselves in the big leagues. 
Here's the always insightful Homer Bailey. We are joined in the Reds Connect Zone with the marshmallow throwing Homer Bailey. He's up here rifling marshmallows. Homer, does this mean that your arm is feeling good? If, I, if only I got paid to throw a marshmallow. <laughs> Everybody Actually, out here. I think I do sometimes <laughs> with the way it gets hit. So to speak, huh? Yeah. Homer, you are coming off a season in which um, obviously a lot of people know that uh, you were injured coming off Tommy John surgery. But, uh, you know, you also had some bicep soreness when you came back. I guess the obvious question is how are you feeling? Uh, pretty good. I haven't really uh, thrown anything or, or done baseball activities since September, but other than that, pretty good. Feeling pretty good. That's great. I'm figuring out how to throw these things now. <laughs> it, it takes practice. So I Why hate. I, right I, I really just for the sake of my job, I don't want this to be the first thing that you're uh, your first baseball related activity that you're uh, you're performing. Oh, I'm trying to throw it in their mouth. <laughs> That's a little too high. You missed it earlier. Tony Haramino, we were having a contest with the coaches, and I think it was uh, Freddie Benavides was up here, lofted one. Tony caught it in his mouth down beyond the carpet. That's impressive. That we ended the game right. right then because nobody could top that. So how's your offseason been, Homer? It's been good. I, got, I, was in, uh, I was in Canada for a couple of weeks, and then since then I've just been uh, – just kind of hanging out at the ranch and staying staying really busy, actually. What were you doing up in Canada? I was grizzly bear hunting. Yeah, just kind of seeing the country and, you know, trying to find a grizzly bear. Do you do that by yourself, or do you have a team that is, that's with you? Or? I had another guy with me. Um, you know, he was carrying the firearm. That's got to so be kind of – my bow. So. Is it kind of scary, though, like a little bit? Like you're out there hunting. I mean, it's this is not deer or anything. This is a grizzly bear. If you can see him – you feel pretty good about it, but when you're walking in there and you smell them, <laughs> yeah. that's when it gets a little eerie. Like, okay, there's one really close to me, and I have no idea where he's at. You don't want to be pulling a revenant with no, uh, Leo no, no, DiCaprio no. or anything. No. <laughs> so, I just got to outrun the other guy. <laughs> just out there, yeah. that's, a good, that's a good way to look at it. So you talked about you were, you're feeling good, you're, you're enjoying your off offseason. Uh, when do you begin your baseball-related activities? I'll probably start th as I'm chewing a marshmallow. <laughs> like, this is real. This is real good for me. <laughs> I'll start. Uh, I'll start working out here pretty soon, and then right around Christmas, I'll start throwing in stuff. Uh, I've had the same throwing partner for a while, so we'll probably link up and see if we can start getting it going. I remember a couple years ago you were telling me that you were working out with. Uh, it wasn't Pete Sampras, was it? It was. Uh, no. It was uh, you were working out with a tennis player, I believe. Andy, Andy Roddick. Andy Roddick, yeah. What a great workout partner. Are you still in touch with Andy, or every now and then he's retired now, so he's he's old and retired, <laughs> raising uh, raising a little boy. Uh, we talked the other day about meeting up when I'm ever I get back to Austin, and uh, but yeah, can't pretty tough to keep up with a tennis player on the track. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Now. You know, I saw you over here at the at the wiffle ball field, and you were kind of helping instruct kids, and you look like a pro at it. And that's uh, my job. <laughs> that's your job. That's, of course, I'm really good. You're at You're really good at that. Um, Sometimes that's got to be fun for you at Reds Fest. I mean, a lot of players come in, they fulfill their obligations, signing autographs, but some of this stuff that you get to do makes it a little rewarding, doesn't it? Uh, it really does, just because you know, me and Cody were were talking while we were out there off the microphone. And we were like, man, we're, we're giving, like, really 
advanced, <laughs> like, this is like really advanced mechanics, but, but that's the only way that, you know, we, we approach it, you right. know, at, as the highest level as we can. So, um, no, it was only an hour long, but I, I bet both of us could sit out there for hours and hours, and we'll talk mechanics or pitching or grips, hitters, whatever we do, because that's, that is what we do. Yeah. Um, so we, we have a lot of fun with that. I mean, it's, it's our job, but this is, that's our favorite thing to do is go out there and pitch. Sure. Uh, just like it would be for anybody else. We just get paid for our hobby. Right, right. We had uh, Cody up here. We were talking to him, I believe it was yesterday. Had uh, a young man named Rookie Davis up here. We had a lot of the young pitchers, Nick Travieso. And one of the common things that they talked about, um, especially uh, uh, Cody Reed, uh, and and disco disco was here too and the first the, the one common thing that they talked about was was you being in that clubhouse as that kind of calming influence for them whether you're injured or not and whether they're do- going well or they're not they felt like you were always there for them and that that you could they could learn from you and you were always there to help them out with whatever they needed um, man i i remember when you got drafted here and now you, and now you're like you know, the elder statesman on that pitching staff. Is that a role that you embrace? How about experience? <laughs> yeah, experience. That's not, what I mean. Not, we're not going to go elder. Elder. Okay, yet. all right. Experienced. Okay. Experienced. Okay. A lot of bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what makes good experience. Right. It's bad experience. So is that a role that you embrace, like trying to help those guys out? You know what? At the end of the day, I try to do what I can because they were, we're all wearing the same jersey. Sure. You know, so whether it's it's myself, Mac Jenkins, Brian Price, Teddy Powers, on down down on down the line, we all wear the same jersey. We all take the losses. We take the wins um, from that that part of the game, the pitching part, and uh, we take a lot of pride in it. Yeah. You know, and and you know, Desco, Cody Reed, uh, Brandon Finnegan, all these guys. Uh, I really I really like the way they go about it. You know, Dan Straley. Yeah. They really go about their business very, very well. And I think a lot of those guys, you know, barring injury, are just going to be really good pitchers. And all, all I can really do is kind of kick back and watch and see see the progress that they've made. <clears throat> and it's fun, man, because there's nothing that they're going to go through that I haven't done. Yeah, yeah, yet. absolutely. Uh, I, probably the only thing that they have to go through what or what they are going to get to go through, what I did, was a playoff. Yeah. I was like. Because they always ask, you know, what's what's your favorite game? What's your favorite, you know, no hitters, good games, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Playoffs is the best. That's, yeah. That, uh, yeah. And, and they work really hard, those other guys, really dil- diligently. They're pretty smart. They're getting it. They're starting to really start to come into their own. Mm-hmm. And it's just been a fun process to see. I mean, they're very competitive. Uh, they're men. I mean, yeah. they're men. They go about their business right. Sure. And, uh, you know, what I like about you, Homer, I've known you a long time. You're a guy that you're, you're a straight shooter. You tell it how it is. I'm going to ask you point blank, and I'm counting on a, a Homer Bailey <laughs> answer here. Do you really believe that this team's going to be in the playoffs within a few, you know, uh, within the time that you're, you'll still be here? So I, well, I'm, I'm going to be here for, I hope, three more years. You know, very happy with the Reds organization. So <clears throat> I, I would not put it out of possibility. Uh, you know, in 2009, we were in last place. In 2010, we won the division. Right. It can happen that quick, especially, and it's got to come from our starting pitching. Our defense and our offense has done outstanding, man. They, they were so good this year. Yeah. 
de played great defense behind us and in the offense you know Joey kind of leads that ship and they did more than enough that we should have been a more competitive team it, it was clear cut what our problem was was pitching yeah. you know and and we have just have to own that for right now mm -hmm. but like i said you're you're maybe a trade a trade and a prospect excelling yeah. away mm -hmm. if you will right uh you know we went to the playoffs and we we our staff was just so good that's what made us uh you know Cueto, bronson uh latos and leak myself that's that's why we were so good our right. starting pitching yep uh, a lot of these younger guys they they're pretty good yeah i mean they're they're gonna like i said you're one trade and one prospect away from blowing up whether it's amir garrett whether it's cody reed uh robert stevenson um once one of those guys, along with Desclafania, along with Straley, along with uh, Cody or whoever, sorry. yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, no, there's, there's so many to yeah, pick from. So many to pick from. Yeah, uh, yeah, we talked to uh, when I, like I said, we had Disco up here earlier, and I, th I think you're going to probably echo the same sentiments when we were talking about Dan Straley. I asked Disco, I was like, were you kind of surprised because he was kind of considered the Reds' pleasant surprise? He's like, I really wasn't because I knew. What the guy does, I see him every day working. Uh, would you echo those sentiments? Would you agree with uh, Disco in in terms of uh, Dan's success that he had in 2016? You know, it was so great to see Dan have that success, and um, it really helped all of us to to be able to watch and say, "Look, man, the guy almost won 15 games, or however many won. Yeah. It might have been 15. I don't know. I think it, it close. 14, 14. 13, 14. Yeah. Um, so it helped the rest of the pitchers go. Hey, man, look." This guy's pitching right around 90, 89, 90, locates the slider really well, keeps guys off balance, and it's something that they can go watch. And I think that that was one of the things maybe Brandon Finnegan at the end of the season figured out that changeup, yeah. not figured out, found a changeup. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. I right. get some people out with this thing. Yeah. Uh, same thing with Des Disco. He was watching early in the season because he was injured and said, man, once I get the ball, I, I see what gets people out. Yeah. And Dan was able to go out there and do that and – Yes, again, to his credit, like you said, we're around him all the time. Yeah. Now it's not really that surprising. Right, yeah. To, that's To see, have a good year. Yeah, sure. And you you, you have to, you know, can think that he's going to have a spot in the in the 2017 rotation. Now, you know, I don't want to harp on you being injured, but I asked Disco the same thing because he started off the year on the DL. And when the team's struggling, I think a lot of players that I talk to or read about or hear from, they want the injured players want to be out there when the team's struggling, almost more so when the team's going well because they feel like it's an obligation to go out there and do everything they can help to help to help right the ship. Uh, did you feel that at all this year? Yeah, I've, I've felt it for about two and a half years now. <laughs> um, I think when I tore my flexor mask, we were only a few games out of first place yeah. in 2014. Right. Um, that that was not fun. Last two years, same thing. Whether you're struggling or doing well, injury's just not it. Not not where you want to be. Right. Um, as a as a player, as a competitor, there's never times that I don't want to be out there. Yeah. You know, even if maybe a, a, a pitcher's not doing very well, I want to be in the game to pick him up. Sure. Or vice versa. When I'm doing well, I want the ball the next day, even though I can't. But yeah, I want to be back out there. You're you're constantly wanting to get back out there and, and do your job. Yeah. As a guy who, who's been around this team for a while and who's, uh, you know, you got to see a lot of uh, what was going wrong in the first half of the season, that had to make you proud of the, your teammates in the second half when 
the team only finished a game under 500 in the second half of the season. No doubt. Um, you know, it's just such, it's so unfair in a way to critique this team. And the same way you can say the same thing about Brian. Really hard to critique anybody right now when you don't have all your horses out there. You know what I mean? You're, you're, you're running a leg short. Uh, having Mezzarocco out, Cozart missed some time. Cozart missed a lot of time last year. Billy's been in and out. I've been non-existent. Right. Um, and Iglesias, Lorenzen, get get everybody healthy. Get everybody going. Give us a little cushion maybe with some of the younger guys like Rookie Davis or Amir Garrett. Those Cody type Reed, of guys. Cody Reed, guys, Sal yeah. Romano. Mm-hmm. Cody Reed, yeah. Give us a little bit of cushion in case of, you know, little dips. Man, you're right there. You've got the talent. We've got the talent to do it. It's just a matter of guys figuring the league out a little bit. Not even figure. You don't ever figure it out. Getting more comfortable. Sure. Understanding what works for them, what doesn't work. Uh, being open-minded, taking a few lumps, but giving them as well. Right, right. And, uh, you know, Brian was up here yesterday, and we talked about uh, some of these young guys like Stevenson and, uh, and Reed specifically. They came up as highly talented prospects, and I think you know what that's all about. And then they got out, they, they struggled at the big league level. You know what that's all about. Question number one in that regard is Brian kind of hinted that it's good for them to take those lumps at that early age. They probably don't want to hear that, right? and you probably didn't want to hear it. Is it true? And two, um, did a guy like Cody approach you and just say, hey, look, um, help me out? Did it like Because, you know, you can get coached up all you, you can, and it, until you hear it from a teammate, it, it, it really registers then. Sometimes... It can be overwhelming, and I always say that I didn't I didn't start excelling until I found the right questions, and that's that's where they're kind of at. They're looking for answers, but they don't know the right questions that's yet. That's awesome. If that makes that, any that sense, that is that is very. Astute. I always said I never thought I had the answers. I just didn't have any questions. Yeah, and that's what I was looking for was questions: why, when, what, all those things. Yes. You know, when, yeah. when you're five years old and your mom's cooking on the stove and she pulls it off, she turns it off, she says, Jamie, don't touch the stove. It's still hot, even though it's not red. You go, I'm going to touch it. Okay, anyway. I'm going to touch it anyways. And then it burns, burns your fingers. Right. And then you know, hey, don't touch the stove. <laughs> go ahead and get off of it and make sure it's cold before you touch yeah, it again. Yeah. Same type of thing, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get hit a few times before it builds character. Yeah, yeah. You, um, we talked a little bit about the direction that this team's moving in. You mentioned that uh, you know you wouldn't be surprised that this team goes to the postseason in the time that's remaining for you on your contract. Um, do you see the Reds kind of? And I know Dick Williams doesn't like really to compare this team to other teams, but the obvious comparisons: the Chicago Cubs, um, as far as getting high draft picks, maybe not finishing really high in the in the standings for. A, a few consecutive years, but they get these draft picks, slowly put the, the pieces in play, and then next thing you know, you have a pretty good team on your hands. Well, you're 100% correct with that, Jamie. Here's the problem. You better not miss on your draft picks. Right. And yeah. I think for our organization, that's where we missed for a couple of years. I don't even know where our first-rounders was or where they're at. Yeah. So you have to make sure when you get those those top picks, because for a long time, I mean – I was the first rounder, so was Jay Bruce, Drew Stubbs, Devin Mezzarocco, Cozart was up there, Frazier was up there, Lorenzen, 
there's a lot of us that were brought up through the red system right. who were high picks. I don't know who our last couple of picks were or where they're at. So you just have to make sure that you don't miss. So that way it's just kind of a revolving door. Well, you keep your veteran guys who you brought, who you raised up. You're going to pay for them part of the game. Maybe trade for more prospects coming up. And then developing. And, you know, we I, I don't know. We were a different crew back then. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, different players the way that we came up. Uh, you know, we we had a lot of fun and we expected to win. Yeah, and it's something that I've been talking about to some of our guests here at, at, at Reds Fest is, you guys came up as a core group. Like, you guys right. all advanced together. Yeah. That's what the Cardinals did for a lot of years. The, I, I see it now with the guys that we have now, some of the young up-and-coming prospects and some of the highly talented prospects. They're advancing as a group. Was yeah. that – Was that? I mean, it obviously translated to success for your, like, draft group and the, the guys that your age. Do you think that there's something to that? Yeah, there is something to that. But then again, the word prospect means it, you haven't done anything. Right. So you can bail out, tout it all you want, but you need to come up here and play. And, come up here and play. And do your job. Yeah. You know? but as far it's not going to happen right away. That's okay. Right. But as far as, like, developing relationships, you're, you're playing with Jay in the minor leagues at each level. Right. Next thing you know, you look behind you, and he's in right field oh, while yeah, you're yeah. pitching. It's, it's, it's weird not it, seeing him. Yeah, yeah. Really well, weird. now it's weird. Yeah. yeah. And, and that just having I those guys. I wondering how Carter was. It's like, how am I going to see Jay? Yeah. And now uh, – you know, it's just that you know, like you know, Co you knew Cozart when you guys right. played in the minor leagues together. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's got to be that's got to be great for you. I mean, you you know what you have back there. You already have relationships with these guys, and you're almost like already a team before you're on the team. Yeah, you you and you build that. Uh, I don't know that camaraderie with your yeah. guys. You know, and you've. You've had some success a little bit, and then you've you've had some not success. Mm -hmm. You just develop a lot of faith, you know. I mean, I've seen Zach make so many good plays behind me. Yeah, jeez. Because I, don't know, I just kind of expected of him, you know. Same way with Brandon. I mean, or whoever's playing, you just expect that's where they're at. You just you have that faith in them. So I'm going to ask you a little bit about the bullpen in 2016. <laughs> you saw, I mean, you saw a lot of. Um, um, struggle in the first half of the season they kind of put it together in the second half you started seeing guys getting the job done in the postseason I don't know how much of the postseason you watched but all of a sudden it seems like there's a different focus that the, how the manager is using the bullpen you're seeing a Raldis Chapman come in for for the Cubs in the seventh inning eighth inning the Dodgers use Kenley Jansen in a real tight spot I think it was in the in the sixth or seventh inning as a as a starting pitcher, let's say you have a you, you're you're pulled when you have a couple runners on base. Do you have a does that make you feel better when you see the bullpen ace come out there rather than a guy that's a matchup guy trying to get the, a lefty to get the lefty out? I think it depends on who it is. Yeah. One um, of my I mean, God, it's been a while since I've actually played. It <laughs> <laughs> um, hasn't been that long. When you. Uh, it's a personal thing. Yeah. You know, there was there was a long time there that we had bullpen guys. I didn't mind getting taken out of the – I didn't want to, but I didn't mind it just because of – I know who's coming in behind me. Yeah. And I, I got a lot of faith in them. Sure. Like we're we're going to get out of this. Thank you for picking me up. I hope I can return the favor by going eight innings one day or nine innings, yeah. whatever. Um, you know what? Lorenzen did really well. Yeah. So did Iggy. Mm -hmm. Iggy did really well. Sure. Those guys are going to have to find that transition for them. I think it's a good place for them. 
next to those guys, I mean, there's just still a lot of question marks. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can just tell you facts. We yeah. walked too many. We gave up too many home runs. Mm-hmm. We didn't pitch. Right. We didn't, I mean, we were throwing. We weren't pitching. That's part of the learning curve. And if some of those guys, if you haven't learned it by now, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you were, let's say you're in Brian Price's situation, and I, I remember uh, Iglesias talked about it. Like in, he's, he mentioned something like when he made the transition from a starter to a, a, a bullpen guy, and they asked him, like, how do you feel about that? He's like, I, it's, I feel fine about it because in Cuba, if I wasn't the starter, I would be the reliever the next day, and I was the best reliever. So after the starter goes and maybe he can't get out of the fifth inning, they bring in their next best pitcher. And it, it was usually me because he's, you know, the best relief pitcher that they have. I, th- I think well, it's they, interesting. They also weren't playing 162 games. That's so, true, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely true. Uh, and I think, so, I mean, unfortunately, I think that there's a they're trying to get away from their starters. And, you know, here I am. I've just had two elbow surgeries. But anyways, I, I think that they're not leaning on their starters enough, to be honest with yeah. you. I, that's my belief. I mean, you're seeing them bring in bullpen now. World Series, your playoff spots, yeah, They're, those are different because right. you do get the matchups. I mean, you can't, you just cannot ignore certain numbers. And the number, the biggest thing you can't ignore is the fact that during the playoffs, they're getting a day off every other day. Every they're going to go two games at the most, maybe three games. Yeah, a day yeah, off. Right, right, yeah. That is huge. You don't ever get that. You might have three off days the whole or the whole month. Yeah, sure. So you're playing your bullpen totally different. Well, mm-hmm. you're going to use your bullpen. 100% different yeah. knowing That's I a have point. a day off tomorrow yeah. and then I've got a day off in two days. I could throw a guy from the bullpen, and I don't do it, but I could use him a lot. And you're going to say, wow, you're using him a lot. Not compared to during the season because sure. he's got a, he had a day off. Yeah, You used him five games in a row, but in between those five games, yeah, I've had two days off. Right. I'm fine. And even if you didn't bring him into the game, who knows how many times he got up no to doubt. warm up. Yeah. No doubt. And, and that's stuff that uh, – and. An analyst, yeah. a fan, a guy who sits up on TV with his microphone and tells us how we should play the game, don't see. They yeah. didn't see how many times. They didn't count how many times. Well, that guy got hot the last three days in a row. Right. I can't use him, man. He's burned. Sure. Or if I get him hot, I've got to get him in because if I don't, he's unavailable tomorrow. I have to use him right. to get something. Otherwise, I just burned a player, mm-hmm. and they didn't even throw a pitch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's stuff that most people just don't see. Right. As a guy coming off uh, uh, a couple arm surgeries, uh, and I, I think I know how you're going to answer this question because, you know, you're, you're a guy that likes to, to take the ball and pitch. Do you think that, that we rely nowadays too much on pitch counts and how much we, I think, I don't want to say baby pitchers, but maybe we, we err on the side of caution more so than – uh, given the let the guy pitch a few more pitches than right. he may have should. Uh, yes, I do. And you can say, well, Omar, you've just had two elbow surgeries. Yes, I tore my flexor mask swinging a bat. Yeah. That's how this whole thing kind of started. Wait a second. You know, I, I didn't mind swinging, so, which a lot of people don't really know. But, yes, I do. I do think that they do err on the side of caution, but I don't blame them. Right. You know, when, mm-hmm. when players – their value in the market is so high. We're not made of porcelain, but we're being paid like we're yeah, made of porcelain. Of course, yeah. So, man, it's pretty black and white. Yeah. You know, I get it. Yeah. I, I get why 
you know, maybe a GM or a manager's thinking, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, like a Jake Arrieta, he didn't even throw 200 innings this year. Right. The guy's reigning Cy Young winner. Yeah, he had sure. a great year. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he go 200 innings? Because they had a stud bullpen. And you know yeah. what? Jake was still pretty fresh in October. So, yeah, I mean, man, yeah, those are just decisions that have to be made, whether it's our industry or any industry. You know, you're paying X amount for value. You want that value, but you – you have years to think about it up ahead. You can't just, you know, have a guy throw 270 innings and bring him out of the bullpen in April, even though he's your starter man. Right. That's just not. That's just not smart. Yeah, sure. Okay, that was the last baseball question I asked you. The most important question that I'm going to ask you right now is, what are you listening to these days? I've been listening to a lot of Cody Jinx lately. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I know when you you came back from your injury. Your walk-up song, and I was so pumped. You, you had some Sturgill Simpson <laughs> going. Sturgill, and that album for me Sturgill. is probably in the top two or three yeah. of 2016. I remember starting listening to Sturgill a couple of years ago, and immediately I loved every one of his albums. You know, I, I think his last one, they've eh, it's not the same. Yeah, but it's just, man, it's, it's just it's still him, and it's I like big Sturgill Simpson fan. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of Jamie Johnson, Cody Johnson, Cody Jinx. Yeah. Uh, what else have I been? All looking? the Codys. Yeah, I got a Cody bunch of Cody's, yeah, Johnsons and Cody's. You know, uh, that's that's what I've been listening to a lot of. Nice. And you're of. a you're a Towns Van Zant guy from way back. Oh yeah, you? man, yes. I love Towns Van yes. Zant. Yes, my man. I mean, Poncho and Lefty, yeah, uh, Lives to Fly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Homer, uh, always who, a pleasure to just, see you, man. I saw somebody here recently. Well, I think I'm gonna go see Bingham, Ryan Bingham. I oh yeah, a lot okay. of Ryan Bingham. All right. In fact, I got to I got to see Ryan in Chicago. We're there. I didn't get to see him perform. Uh, Paul Cotham's another one I've been listening to. Um, Damn, this is tricky. Oh, I always revert back to my, you know, my bases. Though I, yeah, I'll go back to Willie and Waylon. I, oh yeah, I've been a Haggard fan since I was a kid. I've got, I, luckily, I got to see him and meet him before he passed. Um, nice. I, I got to go back to roots run deep. Yeah, yeah, you got to go back stereo. to Lukenbach, baby. That's right. My roots <laughs> run pretty deep in my stereo. <laughs> I love it. Uh, George Strait always, you know, yeah. always got like some George Strait. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I knew I'd get you rolling on the music. Oh, man, we can go, we can go on for hours. It's kind of the same way about pitching. We can talk about this for hours. Yes, yes. We don't, we don't have the right types of drinks to talk about this. <laughs> Homer, it's always a pleasure to see you, man. It's great. You look great, and I'm, I'm so excited for you coming up. And Appreciate I, I, it. You know, I, you're always one of my favorites, and you're an easy guy to root for. So uh, thank good you. luck in 2017, and I appreciate you coming by today. Glad to be. I think this is my first podcast. Yes. Yeah, I didn't know what it was. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Homer Bailey. Finally, I'm joined by my good friend and longtime Reds broadcaster, Marty Burnaman. I chat with Marty often, and it's usually about things other than baseball. This time was no exception. Here's the Hall of Famer, Marty Burnaman. Marty Burnaman's here, ladies and gentlemen, in the Connect Zone. We're way up here. Marty, say hello to your loyal fans. These are Reds fans. God bless you all. It's been a great two days, and it would not be nearly as good had it not been for your participation. We love to see you every year and look forward to future Reds Fests. Spoken spoken like a true official spokesman, Larry Herms. Thank you. Marty, how how was Reds Fest for you this year? It's been very tiring. I'm glad you asked, Jamie. (laughs) I am beat the fuck up. I'm tired. (laughs) But I've enjoyed it. And seriously, I make the comment every year when I walk out of this place, as I will in about an hour, I, I think to myself, there's no way they can make it better, and every year they prove me wrong. 
they either tweak things or they introduce new features, whether it be for adults or kids or for both. Uh, it's just truly amazing. There is no team in baseball that does anything like this on as grand a scale as the Reds do. Can you say that from experience? Have you been to any other fan? No, but I've read enough about them. That, now, the one thing the Cubs do is rent out an entire hotel for the weekend. That's all well and good. But everything is done inside the hotel. They have nothing like this. They have That's nothing right. like this. That's right. And there's no other team in baseball that has anything like this. And at the, like, like you say, at the end of the day, they're still the Cubs. Yes, that's exactly right. I was rooting for the Cleveland Indians in the World <laughs> Series. <laughs> How are we looking? We're doing pretty good here. We, uh, we've had a, a lot of guests here, a lot of, of course, uh, with the, uh, the youth movement going on uh, with the Reds. We had a lot of great young and up-and-coming players. We got to meet Nick Senzel. I don't know if you got, a, you got a little taste there. Little taste I there. don't know if you got a chance to meet Nick Senzel. I did or, not. But, uh, you know, an another guy that looks like he's going to be a, uh, a really good baseball player, but also a guy that he's one of those guys that eats, sleeps, yeah. breathes the game. And, you know, I think uh, you have to be excited for what Dick Williams is doing with these minor league guys, sending them to these, uh, like these, uh, these camps at West Point and trying to establish some leadership and build some leadership. Well, we'll see about that. I mean, I'm not, I don't drink the Kool-Aid like you do. I, I want to see the results of sending guys to West Point. A lot of people would view that as eyewash. We'll see what happens. The most important question of all is, did you put Preacher Rowe on the radio? We did not put him on the radio. Preacher Rowe, ladies and gentlemen, is our intern, James Rowe, who's like a bad penny. He won't go away. <laughs> we did have him over here. And we, he helped us out counting marshmallows earlier. He did. He did, but it was a struggle. There's you mean it was a struggle for him counting them? He had to take off his shoes after he was done counting to ten. Correct. He had to take off his shoes. It was, there he is right there. It was, Where's it was, the preacher there's, at? There's that million. He's got a clown written all over him. We had, a, we had to loan him a calculator so he could get, <laughs> get and then uh, poor Mike Stefanski was wondering, openly wondered if, uh, we need to get him an abacus so he could count these marshmallows. <laughs> did you design this set? I did not. That would be your good and my good close personal friend, Zach Bonkowski. So he was the one who determined that you would be elevated above the masses and not you. Correct. I better not hear otherwise. So you're, you're hoping that you would hear otherwise to think this was some sort of ego trip. Oh, without any question. <laughs> I got the bad news today that, and in some circles, it could be considered good news because it's, uh, it's, it's good for the organization. Tucker Barnhart will not be joining us this year on the Reds' caravan at well, Star Lake. That, and I'm glad you brought that up because, to me, it's an insidious conspiracy. They knew, and I give them a lot of credit because of their originality, they knew that there was no logical way of prying him loose from the Rockstar group unless they stopped in Brownsville, Indiana, also or known as Brownsburg. <laughs> they stopped there, another group of guys. And naturally, if you, they're going to stop in one's hometown, they want to have him there. And so now he is very grudgingly leaving our group and going on to their group. I think that means that they would 
you can't put it past them. They know no bounds. None. On to steal well, from I, our. I put uh, Bonkowski, I put that him right in the center of it. Oh. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think he's got a lot to do with it. Corey Hawthorne's got a lot to do with it. They're all a bunch of crooks. Would you say this is a conspiracy? It's an insidious conspiracy. <laughs> Absolutely it is. I, I do find it kind of, con, you know, curious, a little taste. Yeah. I do find it curious that Tucker reaches some career highs and appearances, games, home runs, all, all the stuff. thank you. And then all of a sudden, they want him on their leg. And he did that while he was a part of the of Rockstar ours. Group. Yes, yeah. as a Rockstar. Or as we refer to it as the RSG. And there is another rumor floating around there that the Rockstar leg will see a third term from one Mr. Devin Mezzarocco. That's fine. A.K.A. Snacks. Yes. Yes. And he comes by that nickname naturally also. <laughs> we welcome Devin back. He's a kind of class act that we expect no less from joining the kind of classy people that he's surrounded by for four days. Add Dimitri Young to that list? That would be great. I'd love to have the meat hook. I check with Amir Garrett. He can't go because he's going to be out of the country. But he said, told me not an hour and a half ago, I was a member of the Rockstar Group. I'll always be a member, and I'll be back. I love to hear that. And I think something uh, – these folks think we're just joking around, but we take this stuff seriously. Oh, we take it very, very seriously. To the point, this winter, we all got together, the alumnus. That's correct. Uh, the alumni, Marty and me, Ryan Rizzo, of course, and we got tattoos in a very secretive spot on our anatomy. That's correct. One that cannot be seen readily. That connect us. It's a good-looking one, too. Connect zone us as the Reds Rock Star Group. <laughs> well, it's important that we bond even more than we normally did. We're just hoping this year Ryan Rizzo brings those movies. Well, I mean, that's all well and good, but you have to understand that I'm now a voting member of the SAG Awards, the Screen Actors Guild, and so they mail me all these movies. Right. And they'll be coming in soon. And then we'll determine among the group of movies which one we feel qualified to look at and waste our time uh, on the bus. Are we using the same bus, people? <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. Do you care to comment on that? You're never one to pull punches. What are your thoughts on that bus company? Has anybody taken a look at this bus down here by the main stage? Quite a few people, I'm sure. Why would we not travel in something like that? Well, especially our group. Yes. And that guy's ready, willing, and able. I talked to him yesterday. Let's pull that the baby is sweet. Let's pull the trigger. Well, I mean, you, you know who we ride with. <laughs> Your guy, Mikey. Let's, uh, let's switch gears here. <laughs> We've, you've been doing the, this, something that I enjoy that we do in the offseason. I've really enjoyed it since uh, be kind of come, be, being, the, being a part of it on Tuesday nights at the Holy Grail is the Hot Stove League radio show. Yep. You've been doing it for quite a, quite a long time now. That show? Yeah. When, that's something that kind of goes unnoticed. We all talk about, like, all the years that you did Reds games and this and that and the other thing, but the Hot Stove show has become a, an entity in it itself. Well, when I first came in 74, it was known as Reds Line. Okay. And uh, we did it at WLW Radio, and... We did it on a continuous basis until I think they stopped it 
Maybe they didn't. I'm trying to remember if there was any interruption in the program when Marge owned the club, but now I think about it, I don't think so. I think we've done it continuously. And I know it was done regularly when Al Michaels was here for three yeah. years before I came, and I don't know before that. So if you go with just the uh, – you just go with the three years that Michaels did it, that's 1971, that's 29 and 16, that's 45 years in which that show has been on the air. And as we refer to it, the uh, original radio talk show all about baseball. Yes, yes. very nice. That reminds me, at Old Riverfront Stadium, do you remember that? And I wanted to ask if you ever recorded anything in that old radio booth that was at the end of the no, hallway. No, quite the end of the hall. I did, Joe and I did stuff in there all did the time. Did you really? Yeah. Like it was probably this big? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was small, a small little room. They ended it up turning, was. It, turning it into a merchandise all the time room. in that room. Yeah. You yeah. remember that, don't you? Oh, yeah. Did you do those uh, records in there, like the, the recap records in that? No. In, that the, uh, in 1975, after the Reds won the World Series against Boston, we went home. There was a celebration. Then I went, flew back up there um, to a bedroom community outside of Boston, Revere, Massachusetts, that was the home of a company called Fleetwood Records. And all they did was put out highlight records of all sports teams. Yeah. And I went back up there about four days after the World Series ended and did all the voiceover uh, work for that one. And then in 76, the Reds' greatest hits, we did that in the studio over on the west side of Cincinnati. Okay. All right. Now, I want to address something that I don't know that if you've talked about it publicly, but it's a uh, – very controversial topic. Um, it was. It's about a controversial statement made by a controversial person. This is going to be stupid now. This is Lee May. Oh yeah. Is on record, not publicly, but we will now make it public. He says the saddest day in the history of the Reds organization was the day Al Michaels left the Cincinnati Reds. That is, I can support that. St- statement that you just made is absolute fact (laughs) he also expresses opinions and 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 uh, he he says things that people are supposed to accept as fact (laughs) that's completely erroneous when he says that before i came to cincinnati i was doing tractor pulls in memphis tennessee demolition derbies demolition derbies and tractor pulls that's what he says. That's Lee May. That's not me. I know that. Name. That's Mo. Yeah. That's Mo. Yes. AKA Mo, who is a- I am constantly putting out verbal fires that he creates <laughs> by telling people that I did tractor pulls and demolition derbies. That's just not true. It's it's definitely I've never done for one thing I've never worked in Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> And I've certainly not done those mammoth events. <laughs> right. At a state fair near you. That's correct. <laughs> I've been to strip shows and, and county fairs. <laughs> that and doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you, do, you think Vin Scully would go to something like that? There's a lot of things I do that Vinny would not do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about something that's near okay. and dear to your heart, college basketball. Yes. Kentucky got beat today. UCLA. I uh, I gotta believe that Kentucky, and it'll be interesting to see what Coach Calipari's comments are. 
they might have overlooked UCLA. You can't – as good as Kentucky is – and I'm not taking anything away from UCLA. Steve Alford has an outstanding team. But if you're Kentucky, you can't lose to UCLA on your home floor. You simply cannot lose that game. And they did. And I think UCLA led – I turned it in with about a minute and a half to go in the first half. And it was a one-point game either way. And then the kid hit a three before the horn sounded to end the first half. And that sent uh, UCLA up by six, I think, 51-45. I I don't know how you can ever lose with the kind of talent Kentucky's got. But they managed to figure out a way today. Has anyone checked on Doug Flynn? I've already referred to Doug Flynn in my introduction up at the poker tournament. (laughs) <laughs> that he was in mourning because the Cats got beat in Lexington. He's, he's and back. I'm sure that the BBN, the as BBN. you well know, Big oh, Blue yeah. Nation. Absolutely. They're blaming the referees. Oh, boy. They're blaming the police chief. They're believing the janitor in one of the men's resident halls. They're blaming everybody because they got beat. They're not going to say that UCLA had a better team today. It's somebody else's fault. Wow. Pulling no punches. Now let's uh, – I'm going to kind of turn this around on you. And This past week – They had their asses handed to them. Your North Carolina oh, yeah. Tar Heels – Yes, they did. Got beat up by the Indiana Hoosiers. And now let's – The biggest it, difference was that game was played in Bloomington. It was not played in Chapel Hill. And so, uh, Indiana's got – Tom Crean's got a nice basketball team. Uh, and, and in all honesty, uh, that game and this game today involving Kentucky's losing to UCLA, this early in the year, it really don't mean anything. Right. Yeah. All it means is the immediate reduction in status as far as the top 25 is concerned. Uh, Kentucky's got a back-breaking schedule right now. They play UCLA. They play North Carolina. They play Louisville. And there's a fourth team that I'm, is escaping me right now. And all those games are in a row. That's a back-breaking schedule. I don't care who you are. Yeah, and it's kind of refreshing to see that these teams that are taking on these tournaments early in the year, they're going to play some teams. This is not Cupcake City, as no, Dick Vitale would say. This well, is- I, I think the, the guy that popularized that years ago was Denny Crum when he was at Louisville. He played the hardest schedule year in and year out of anybody in the country, and he did it for one reason, and that is to get his guys ready for March. And made them better teams, and then everybody seemed to fall in line and start scheduling big, tough games, intersectional games, uh, in the month of November and December. And then after the first of the year, you, your conference schedule kicks in, and then you're off and running. Do you like uh, – have you had an opportunity to catch any UC basketball and some Xavier hoops this Tell you what, they got season? a night nice, – both of them have very, very nice teams. Um, if I had to give my uh, give a nod to one of the two, I'd say Xavier's got the best team of the two. But Mick Cronin's got a pretty nice nice team at UC. The Copain kid's a hell of a player. He's matured so much in the years in which he's been at, at UC. And so I think the benefit uh, for that is the people that uh, like college basketball and, and like to go to games or watch games on television here in this town because they're two nationally ranked programs that have a good chance of being there all year long. Let's switch gears here. Another some, something else that you're uh, you, you're interested in, and I know that you've been doing a little bit here in the off season is traveling. Yes. Can you tell us where you've been this off season and uh, w- w- what well, it was like? 
Amanda and I uh, were on the Reds cruise, or the baseball cruise that Provident Travel has done now for 33 years. I went, uh, Jack Billingham, Jim Maloney, Doug Flynn, Chris Welsh. That's a group right there. Sensational. Um, and then we went from there to Sarasota and spent Thanksgiving week at our place in Siesta Key. Came back last Monday. And then in January, we've rented a house for a week in St. John in the Caribbean. We're going to do snorkeling down there. I did that three weeks ago tomorrow in Mexico and snorkeling. cut my right foot, and it got infected. I cut my foot on a piece of coral. Oh, my goodness. And got infected. Yikes. But Dr. Kremchek bailed me out. Yes, he's the man. So, we, you know, we, we, we make that trip. And then uh, we come back. How was back. snorkeling? Was that the first time you'd ever no, done no, it? No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's a great thing, it's isn't it? It's the best. Yeah. In fact, we've got a boat that we're renting in uh, the week we're in St. John uh, by a young man who grew up here, whose dad was chief engineer at WLW Radio, Jim Hampton. His son, Hank, has a luxury charter company in the Caribbean, and he's going to take Amanda and I out one day and take us to places that most people don't go to. Uh, snorkel, so it's going to be a good deal. That's that's good stuff right there. What are you reading these days? I am reading the sixth volume in seven of the Harry Potter series. I knew you were. I think I talked to you last year when you had just gotten started. The Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, <laughs> and then the next one after that is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and that's it. And that's it. I was told years and years and years ago by my good friend Herb Reisenfeld with Provident Travel, and this was shortly after this, the thing had even come out, the first, uh, the first couple of books. He said, I said, I'm not going to read those books. They're for kids. He said, you're going to be amazed if you get And he was right. Uh, it's a, it holds your interest even if you're an adult, and I've enjoyed it, and I've done it because of the relentless badgering by my wife that you are going to read it yes so i've done it and as usual whenever she makes a recommendation and she makes it rather assertively comes through i knuckle under and it turns out to be right have you seen the movies i have yeah yeah not only that but i would highly recommend anybody who has a chance to go to universal studios to go through harry potter's world down there it's not it's ridiculous it's so well done and as close as the, uh, they could possibly be to the books. Um, it's, it's amazing. And we went last year, and we're going to probably skip this year, and we'll go again next year. Very it's really good. cool. Excellent. And there's a new movie out now, not connected to the series, but I guess a prequel to it? Yeah, Fancy Beasts. Yeah. 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 That's good stuff. And any TV shows that you're uh, really into these days? Um, designated Survivor. Yes. Have Kiefer you seen Sutherland. it? I haven't yet, oh. but it's on the list. Kiefer it's Sutherland. already been renewed for next year. That's uh, Amanda's old drinking buddy. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer right. Sutherland. Yeah, Keith. That's your old drinking buddy. Oh, That's, yeah. Yeah, there, hey, she, everybody wants a taste every once in a while. Well, he had a more than a little taste. I'll tell you that. That boy got his money's worth sitting at that bar. <laughs> you mentioned Jack Billingham was on that cruise. Jack gives it to you a little bit, doesn't he? He does. He and Mo are about as good as there are. They should take their act on the road. Oh, they? both of them would be relentless. Mo is the most relentless human being I've ever known. <laughs> There's nobody, once he gets you under his thumb, you might as well bend over and kiss your rear end goodbye because you're done. 
<laughs> and I've seen it firsthand. Yes, you have. So let's put a little list together. If those two guys are on that list, do you have three other guys that might be that might fill in on that? They'd love to give it to me. That just absolutely enjoy giving you a hard time. Well, I'll tell you who was good, and there was no love loss between the two of us, and they're still in this Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn. Yeah, yes. he was good. He was very good at giving it to me. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who else there would be. Tommy Hume is very subtle. Who's here? I know it. Yeah. Tommy is very subtle, but he's pretty good, too. Um, I remember Chris Spire really enjoyed giving it to you. Chris Spire was so good, he'd get under my skin sometimes. <laughs> and not too many people can do that. But I, still, I love him to death. I talk to him periodically in the offseason. But he was good at it. He was very good at it. How about anybody from the Big Red Machine years? Did Pete, any, anybody like that? Pete, Johnny? No. Uh, Perez a little bit. And Davey. Davey liked that, yeah. I'd walk in the clubhouse, and he's lockers down at the other end of the clubhouse. He's screaming at me. I heard what you say about me on the radio. <laughs> and, and I was intimidated early, and finally I'd walk in after my second year or so, and he'd start screaming. I said, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't bother me anymore, but Davey was good. Davey was good. What was it that Davey used to do when the team visited Chicago? I know there was a certain statue that the bus would pull over. He would pull over and paint the testicles on that horse <laughs> off of Michigan Avenue. That was a big deal. Yes. But not only the Reds, but every team in baseball. And it got to the point where the policemen in Chicago – one, they got tired of guys painting them, and then they had to go clean off the paint. So now they, they made an issue out of being on the alert when they knew that the chances were good that a team was coming by there. So now our guys, or I say our guys, the baseball player fraternity, they would then make uh, reconnaissance missions at 1230 or 1 o'clock in the morning. Very nice. And paint them. And he was the ringleader, if I'm oh, not. Oh, he, he enjoyed it very much. <laughs> Painting. <laughs> yeah. I, and speaking of that, there's another incident involving a uh, more recent Red named Sean Casey. Yes. Do you remember him? Very well. He, uh, I think the bus stopped one day. They were at a red light, and he walked into they a— They had just defeated the Cubs. I guess they swept the series. This is like 10, 12 years ago. And when you leave Wrigley Field, you've got to navigate through about three miles of surface roads through residential areas in order to get to the freeway that takes you to the airport. It's not, a, it's not an easy ride, and there are stoplights at almost every corner. And we pull up to a stoplight, and there was a bar on the corner. And as soon as the bus stopped, Tracy, uh, Casey raced to the front of the bus, told the driver to let him off. And he bolted out of the bus, hit the door of that bar full bore, and started making fun of all the Cubs fans. We whipped you today to complete a four-game series sweep. You stink. And he went back and got on the bus, and I mean, it was Storm the Bastille. Here they came out of the bus, and they wanted to kill him. It was funny. Oh, those the, We could tell stories like that oh, all yeah. day. That, the, that's some good stuff right there. That, that guy... Something else. Sean Casey, a, a, a class act, a fan favorite. Wish he was here now. But you also have another story, and we talked about it earlier this week. Uh, unfortunately, it, it, was, uh, it stemmed from a, a, a really tragic incident with the, uh, the Brazilian soccer team and, and their airplane. And 
you and I uh, kind of talked offline about some of the scarier airplane rides that we were on. Yep. And we happened to be on one together. Correct. And it was my very first road trip with the Reds. We had went to Minnesota, played the Twins in Minneapolis. It was still still during the Dome years when the Twins played in the Dome. And it was a three-game series, and, and we it, came back home. And the All-Star break began when we That's came right. back. The All-Star break came when we started when we came back. But can you talk a little bit about that, and maybe I'll sprinkle in some memories. Well, we, well. we came back under bad weather conditions, and we were told that the weather was a very, very sketchy coming into Cincinnati. And uh, the team charter got close to Cincinnati, and the pilot finally came on the intercom and said, gentlemen, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we can't land at, at uh, northern Kentucky Cincinnati Airport because the weather is so bad, the winds are so bad, we're going to have to fly to Louisville, and we're going to sit on the tarmac and hopefully wait this thing out. So we fly to, to Louisville, the plane lands, we sit there on the tarmac, guys are getting off, and going inside and uh, after a while we were there so long that a lot of the players said to heck with this and they went and rented cars to drive back to Cincinnati and as soon as they did that the pilot came in in a rush and said guys we've got a two-hour window in Cincinnati and we're going to take a chance and fly back so everybody hurriedly gets on the plane. Except one. They get ready to close the door, and all of a sudden somebody says, Nuxall's not here. Joe was back in the terminal smoking a cigarette and having a big time. Nobody was paying him any attention. Gary Wayhoff, the traveling secretary, said, somebody go out and get him or we're going to leave him. And I mean, Joe busted his hump getting on that plane. <laughs> what was he doing? He was having a smag. <laughs> a heater. A heater. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen Joe hurry up and move as fast as he did at that moment. No. It, it, was, a, it was a very memorable night. My, without... me, my specific memory of that, obvi for obvious reasons, was uh, obviously the, the weather and the, the turbulence. But a gentleman who is in this building right now named Dimitri Young was on yes, the Reds Yes, the meat team. hook. Every bit of terrible turbulence that we hit I think he was in tears in the back yelling screaming I think he was literally crying he was so scared well I think a lot of guys were a little bit concerned I mean you think the plane might go down the other story was the one this was when you were still doing your business in your diapers <laughs> uh, back in 1978 or whatever it was where the Reds played a night game at uh at Dodger Stadium, and they had to go to San Francisco. And back in those days, we flew commercials uh, rather than charter. And we had a commercial flight out of LAX into San Francisco that left Los Angeles at like 12.30. And it was a mail plane, but it was a plane that had 50 seats on it. And so we took up almost every one of the seats, but there were people outside of our group that were on the plane. And so we take off. And we're getting ready to, to descend uh, into landing at, at uh, San Francisco International. And the pilot came on and said, gentlemen, we got a problem. We can't get our landing gear down. And now I look at the flight attendants, and they are white-knuckling the handles on their seats. And when they get concerned, then you better be concerned. And so he said, we're going to circle and try and figure this thing out. 
But he said, we're low on fuel, so we can't circle very often. And they said, to be honest with you, we may have to belly flop this baby on the runway. And so now Tom Seaver is sitting in the back of the plane, and there were two of these guys sitting back there from San Francisco, and Seaver's telling them how they're going to die, the plane's going down, and everybody's going to be killed because <laughs> he was crazy anyway. Yes, right. And the Reds had a reserve infielder by the name of Rick Auerbach, and he was crying. <laughs> and, and amazingly, the co-pilot went down into each wheel well and hand-cranked the wheels down. That's amazing. And when we landed the plane, there were foam trucks all on the perimeter. There were fire trucks. They were ready for us to land with no wheels. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, Marty, we could go on and on, but you have an obligation up in the poker room. I do. And uh, This has gone on far longer than I anticipated. <laughs> but you enjoyed every second. I did. I certainly did. It's always good to see How's you. How's Mel doing? She's doing great. She's getting big. She had her baby shower today, so she's getting lots of free stuff. That's great. We love free stuff. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Jamie. You're a good friend. Enjoyed it. And a great man, Marty. Thank you, pal. Enjoyed it. Okay. Another successful Reds Fest is in the books. The two-day event drew over 18,000 fans to the Duke Energy Convention Center in downtown Cincinnati. We had over 75 current and former Reds, over 100 free autograph and photograph sessions, a wiffle ball home run derby, a poker tournament, bingo, and countless other fun things for Reds fans to enjoy. I'm sure next year's event will be even bigger and better. Thank yous go out this week to Jesse Winker, Nick Senzel, Shed Long, Homer Bailey, Marty Burneman, and the Cincinnati Reds. A special thanks to the best technical director in podcasting, my main man, Nick Prince, without whom this podcast would not exist. Until next time, I'm Jamie Ramsey. Expect good news. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.